0: You're listening to the FMC Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. All right. <laughs> Welcome again to the FMC Podcast. My name is Matt Spazzali. My name is Jonathan Keel. And we're glad you're here with us. It's been a couple of weeks since we did our last one, and I'm sure you've all been waiting uh, breathlessly for the next in- uh, installment of this podcast. Um no, I there are some there, we've gotten some good feedback. Yeah, One of the are. main feed, pieces of feedback if there's been a, any consistent negative, it's that it's too long. So we're going to try our best to uh to to sl- uh to cut it short and be brief. Um but even if that doesn't happen, we could be cutting this podcast into two different pieces. So, this will be an interesting intro to a <laughs> to a two part podcast. Um, so let's uh, let's pray right. as we do in the name of the Father and the Son and the, Son, and the, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Lord. Lord, we ask you to uh, send your angels and. Uh, all of your heavenly protection around us And uh, around this conversation We ask you to dwell with us here Help us to be aware of your presence uh, In our lives and in everything And to share that presence And share our personal relationship with, them, with your Son uh, To other people uh, in love and in charity We ask this all in your name, Jesus Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Son and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit amen. amen. Um so today we're going to be talking about something that's dear to the missionary heart, obviously. Uh proselytization and evangelization or uh and the relationship between these two words um between these two I guess Attitudes of sharing the gospel, I think that uh, so that's sort of almost uh giving away the the point of the podcast that that we've recognized that these things are expressing attitudes and um maybe Jonathan you could um why are we talking about this
1: well it's something that's I noticed um, has come up a lot uh, in Pope Francis's uh, homilies from the very beginning, all the way back in um, 2013, Pope, Benefit, or Pope uh, Bene- Benedict the 16th discussed this in *Deus Caritas Est*, um, and we see it discussed by uh, Pope John Paul II and um, Pope Paul VI, especially in relationship to our. Um, Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters, and in relationship towards our um, separated brethren. And, and yet for many people, the two, if you sat down and discussed with them, and even as we first started discussing this topic among ourselves, we realized we weren't very clear on how proselytization and evangelization differ and so what you find is uh, throughout the Internet and, and in various discussions, you have people basically critiquing um, Pope Francis based on um, his comments, some saying that he's actually um, kind of diverging from church teaching and the Gospels by saying that you no longer can evangelize because Uh, In their minds, the two words are the same. And so when Pope Francis says um, something like proselytism is the strongest venom against the path of ecumenism, as he said in one of his homilies last year, um, people feel he's saying don't talk about Jesus to those who don't know him, Some, some people. And that this, of course, goes against church teaching and the gospels and so they feel like of course he's leading us down the wrong road and we felt it was important as missionaries as well to kind of explore the idea of evangelization and attitudes that are incorrect and foreign to a spirit a a true gospel spirit of evangelization Um, and so you know, Pope Benedict said in various occasions that the church exists to evangelize. And so, if learning about evangelization and what it means is something central to the very existence of the church uh, of whom we make up the body, and you know, Pope John Paul II and Mission of the Redeemer said that no believer in Christ, no institution of the church, can avoid this supreme duty of proclaiming Christ to all peoples. Right, um, But on the same time, Pope Francis has said things such as, proselytism is a sinful attitude, it's the strongest venom, and he's spoken repeatedly against proselytism. And yet I would argue that no pope has made such a case... Or have made so central um, evangelization uh, a theme of um, of his uh, papacy of his um, of his time as Pope as Pope Francis. I mean, the, the, he's spoken about evangelizing uh, so often, and so
0: yeah, well, yeah. I think that you we have to look at you know why is this why would this be misinterpreted? Um, you know, it, so we take we certainly as missionaries we agree and then we as we read the uh words of Saint John Paul II and and the other popes, um we and Saint Paul, uh I you know, to be to not evangelize uh woe to me if I Mm -hmm. do not preach the gospel. Um this is a it's a foundational aspect of Our faith, and so we 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 begin there. We know that. So, um, what do these words mean? Proselytization, evangelization, um, and I just saw what I wanted to say is that I think to be clear, there is a willful. There's a desire to misinterpret. Pope Francis I think mm-hmm. or a desire to interpret what he says through the lens of uh his perceived liberalism um, yeah so I think people there are people who want to say, look th- uh, this is uh, this is what we thought about Pope Francis, we know that he doesn't we know that he thinks all religions are equal and that there nobody should." Be a follower Mm. of Christ or something like that. Um, This is what we thought. He's just—he's the guy we thought he was, and he's just uh, declaring it. And not—you know—that's an uncharitable, obvious, obviously an uncharitable position to take. But I think it's um, also one that kind of creeps in on people without them knowing it, um, because it's shaped uh, or because they're viewing things through that. Liberal conservative lens that we've talked about before, and I don't want to go too far down that road at, right now. Um, but I, I think that's the kind of the crux of of the issue is that people are frustrated when they hear um, that he Pro, Pope Francis saying this thing, and they think, what he's he's directly contradicting Saint John Paul II no. or or Church teaching. And um, what we wanted to do was delve into that issue and what we've found as is often the case um the Pope Pope Francis is not going against church teaching and we're not making you know I think some people say well uh you're getting maybe legalistic and trying to define the words um some strange way we know what he means no you'd you don't, because most of us don't know what this word means, and it has a it has taken on a specific um, meaning in church, in the church, in the life of the church over the years. And I guess I would it's interesting. I would almost I guess he, you know Pope Francis is speaking in a different language, so it's hard for me to give him advice on how he speaks. But it's you you might think that he would be aware that. It's only within the church that people certain people understand proselytization in the way in the way that he means it, mm-hmm. and that these um words could be misinterpreted um but I think I don't know actually as I'm saying that kind of to your point, he's been so vocal about evangelization, you know um he's been so vocal about bringing Christ and the love of Christ to everyone that you can't interpret his comment out of that context, Mm -hmm. you know? So it it would make no sense. You'd have to look deeper and say, well, wait, what does this word mean? So that's what we're...
1: Well, I think another thing that um, it's really important, it's important to kind of lay out our terms here because so often there are words even as we're speaking using liberal conservative uh, or traditional progressive and these um, kind of uh, ways we, we attempt to describe different types of Christians and Catholics in America that really don't You struggle to apply even within America much less on an international scale Mm -hmm. the same thing happens with words that uh, as in this case words that have um, Been handed down to us directly from ancient languages and go through kind of a metamorph or metamorphosis of of meaning and so what we wanted to do and what we're going to try to do um, in the next half hour or so is just Kind of go through some of the developments of this word and the teaching of the church the, from the Second Vatican Council as well as um, the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith uh, as, as well as um, some of the uh, more recent popes to kind of deal with what is a, a, um, proselytism or proselytization. What does the word mean? How is it used today? So, the church has um, spoken on some of the meanings of this word proselytism, and and I want to look at a few key um, documents. First, I just want to look at kind of the historical meaning of the word coming um, to English from Greek and Latin. And then we'll look at a um, document from the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith called on some aspects of evangelization, and then we'll look at a more explicit document by the uh, put out by the Pontifical Council for Promoting Christian Unity, which is actually called Evangelization, Proselytism, and Common Witness. Um, and hopefully, by the time we're done with that, it'll lay out some a, a better idea of what uh, the magisterium means today when it talks about proselytism so this word proselytism it's first important to know that um, it comes from a Greek word proselutos, which also has a Latin uh, a Latin loan word as well proselytos um, and these both come from this meaning of to come over so, a proselyte uh, in Greek is someone who comes over from one location to another. So, in the Bible, the word proselyte generally referred to a Gentile who comes over and begins to observe the Jewish law, one who leaves their old community, belief, or practice and enters a new one. Okay, so uh, in this case, you, would, you could say that, as the CDF document on some aspects of evangelization says, in this particular historical way of understanding the word proselytism, that this term was actually and often used as a synonym for missionary activity. So his, in the historical meaning of the word proselytism, it simply meant coming over converting from one way of thinking or from one place to another it didn't have any um, negative or positive connotations it was simply describing the change itself Um, but nevertheless as the word develops the same document on some aspects of evangelization points out that more recently the term has taken on a negative connotation to mean the promotion of a religion using means and for motives contrary to the spirit of the gospel that is which do not safeguard the freedom and dignity of the human person it is in this sense that the term proselytism is understood in the context of the ecumenical movement so that's kind of an important thing to pause on for a moment generally speaking when We're talking about proselytism. We're also talking about um, the context being one of the ecumenical movement, ecumenism, which is this striving to find unity in the diversity of Christian groups, Catholic, Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox, Protestant, and other groups um, that would claim to be uh, Christian in this context we'll be discussing most of the idea of proselytism because um, that's actually the context where most of the church's documents and and defining come out but we'll find that this attitude we could apply across
0: the board and, and i i think that's what there's really no one likes proselytism understood in that context you know and i think so i think that's um one, that's clearly the attitude that Pope Francis is talking about mm-hmm. this a disrespect, um a um sort of conquering uh attitude or something, and that you know, I think it's also um a misunderstanding that a lot of people have about missionaries if if um you tell people that you're a missionary, they may. Associate that with some bad missionary activity that has gone on in the past, you know. um, And we hear about it even today. People who um, put requirements or uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on their activity. So uh, I've heard. We're going to
1: draw out some of that as we. There's actually some specific examples that i think will help us kind of define this attitude um and that's given more in this document by the pontifical council for promoting christian unity which is entitled evangelization proselytism and common witness i would encourage by the way any of our listeners who are interested all of these documents you could find for free um on online on the vatican.va website um, but it might be easier just to look some of these up um, on Google, um, which will bring you to those sites. So, here are some of the notes that, uh, in one aspect, in the 80s and 90s, section 80s and 90s of this document, we have um, some very interesting and helpful thing, um, notes to define proselytism. So, they say that an initial working definition of proselytism, and again, we've kind of touched on this, is that it's a disrespectful, insensitive and uncharitable effort to transfer the allegiance of a christian from one ecclesial body to another so some key things is we're talking now at this moment in the context of christians but a disrespectful insensitive and uncharitable effort um, and so I'm going to come back to some of these, um, and give you some examples that I've seen in missions mm-hmm. and maybe Matt could even, uh, as we're talking about these in the United States as well. In recent times, proselytism as used within Christian circles has come to carry a negative and even illicit form, uh, associated with, um, evangelism. And we have this really fascinating, um, Section It talks about things. Some of these would be examples of trends um, that um, would define proselytism. So um, all ways of promoting our own community of faith that are intellectually dishonest, such as contrasting an ideal presentation of our own community with the weakness of another (laughs) Christian community. I have seen this done many times in the United States as well. Where Catholics, I mean, I'm going to speak more from a Catholic perspective, but I've, I've, I'm I've, a convert, so I've seen it done both ways. Let me just give you an example. Um, when before I was Catholic, um, I was told oftentimes as I was considering becoming Catholic by a, a number of people that Catholics believe that they can sin as much as they want, as long as they go to the priest. Um, On the weekend, and they ask for forgiveness from the priest, they can live however they please. Okay? And so this would be an example of being intellectually dishonest. Um, But I've noticed Catholics tend to make the same type of intellectually dishonest remarks when they say things like because Protestants don't have confession, that then they believe they can do whatever they want as long as they ask God's forgiveness, or that once they've accepted Jesus into their heart, they could do whatever they want. Both of those ideas are intellectually dishonest. You will find saintly and holy men and women of God who are Catholics and Protestants. Um, But these types of ways of promoting the faith as a missionary, if I were to go in um, and use these kind of intellectually dishonest ways of trying to deceive somebody into thinking that their faith um, in some way is less than mine because of I'm presenting an ideal of my own community um, and the weaknesses of theirs this would be like one dishonest way um, of, of what we would call like this attitude of evangelist would be would, this would be proselytism or another example Willful misrepresentation of the beliefs and practices of Christian communities, which is kind of what I just said. Mm-hmm. Every form of force, coercion, compulsion, mockery, intimidation of a personal, psychological, physical, uh, moral, social, economic, religious, or political <laughs> nature. It's really long. <laughs> it's, I know there's a lot there. Yeah, it's
0: like yeah, it covers, but absolutely every possible aspect. Exactly,
1: but I mean, any way that you're forcing somebody. Yeah. Um and then we have uh, something else we have this idea of um, f- of manipulation or in- the exaggeration of biblical promises um, and this is something I've seen a lot in the in the developing countries where um, not only biblical promises but curses will be applied to somebody um, you're sick or you're poor because of, the church that you belong to. And if you came over to our church, then you would no longer be that way. Okay, this would be a form of proselytizing, the attitude of proselytizing, a distortion of the gospel. Um, Then we have, uh, you know, one that really sticks out to me is competitive evangelization. Mm. And, And one in particular that they talk about is when we is taking advantage of somebody's weakness so as a missionary for example or even in the United States um, I, I, I could think of one, a, a time when one, one Sunday morning I was going to pick up my friend I was 18 years old I was not a Catholic at this time I was going to pick up my friend and our car broke down uh, in front of a, a place called the Lord's Gym it was also a church. Uh, the church name doesn't need to be mentioned, but um, we, we broke down. We were on our way to church, and some of the people came uh, who were parking because their church service was about to start, came over to ask us if we needed some help, and we said, yeah, you know, we needed some help, and they said, well, come to our church service, and then we'll be happy to help you afterwards. Mm-hmm. But there's something God has in store for you. That's why you broke down here. And they were attempting to use, uh, at least I believe at the time, to use our breaking down and this our need as a way to get us into their church. And this would be considered proselytism, not true evangelization, which is always free. It doesn't mm-hmm. have any... Um, strings attached Uh, I know as a missionary our first year in Mexico we oftentimes, uh, as we were helping people with their housing issues uh, sometimes the locals would come and say you can't help that family they're Jehovah's Witnesses or you can't help that family they're evangelicals tell them they have to start coming to Mass tell them they have to become Catholic before they receive any help and we never um that wasn't something that appealed to us in any way but now as I read these documents, I'm realizing that these would be considered illicit forms of evangelism and the term that we use today in the church is proselytism this yeah. illicit form this um you might say disrespectful and sensitive and really uncharitable effort to give somebody Jesus
0: right I th- so, you know, I think people could hear, hear this and think, well, you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot, I would say a lot of the, um, apologetic work that I have seen, um, produced by Catholic publishers or different things like that, um, it, it really does... Have a very negative tone to it Mm -hmm. you know and um, I think we might wonder well then what yeah what's left how do we how and I know we're gonna get to that how you know what what does evangelization mean if this is proselytism what does it mean right Um, but I I think we should be um, worried in in a way that we are so familiar with all of these ways of trying to gain converts um and i know yeah i know i know in in my life there's been times when i thought well i've got the, the cat, we've got the truth and I'm not going to apologize for that. Uh I'm not going to you know back down my from my stance because I'm I'm right and I I think um I guess that that's sort of at at the heart of it too is a this conviction that we're right. That's not in a sense where we should be coming from. It's coming from our love of christ and love Mm -hmm. of our brother and and sister and um i don't know that's just what i was thinking no i mean
1: that's really good like i found it actually one of the most surprising things as as i was reading this document um the one by the pontifical council for promoting christian unity was that they actually gave a model um an, an important model of of uh how to do evangelism and they use the reverend billy graham as the model which i thought was really surprising to me coming out from an official document of the magisterium but i actually thought it was really beautiful but it it talks about um you know to just paraphrase that apparently in many of these um evangelical evangelistic campaigns that uh, the reverend billy graham um, provides oftentimes when people come and they say, I want to commit myself more deeply to Christ. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be more involved in my church. He actually has a team of people who go throughout the area and um, they they seek the support and agreement of various churches, including Catholics, Pentecostals, etc. And so when someone says, I want to know Christ more deeply, they're then kind of led to their particular church affiliation um, and asked to make that renewed commitment within the context of their own church rather than trying to take them out of that church but rather it's a recognition that we have that Jesus is and even as Catholics we believe Jesus is present in all these churches We, we of course each church believes to some extent that they are um, you know that they they have a, a closer understanding perhaps of the Jesus' message. but this is the way proselytism the document talked about is avoided that you need to respect um, and regard like with dignity each of these people that come to know Jesus. Now if somebody, it also points out that if somebody does say, well, you know, I've gone to New Hope Church my entire life, but I'm I'm really I would I want to become a Catholic. Then that's a perfect valid. I mean, of course, we would embrace that. But it's simply saying that our go-to wouldn't be to try and fish them out of to go to New Hope Church or to this or that church and try and fish out um, people from that church—it's disrespectful, and it's the church is asking us and actually saying that this must be avoided. Um, that, but at the same time, again, the confusion comes, and this is where I'd like to get go from from here because I think it's important. Is again like for some people, what I just described is what they know as evangelism. Right, right. That's uh, I think of people who hand out chick tracks, which are extremely offensive and there's Catholic versions of things like that that are just very reactionary, very negative, uh, very unjust in the presentation of everybody practically that I've ever read about in in one of those, uh, in these various tracks. Um, And so what we wanna do is kind of, what are some practical conclusions as far as missionaries, especially what does this mean for us as missionary disciples uh which we're all called to be not just us here in uh in fmc or in you know certain missionary orders or groups but rather every christian is called to be an evangelist Um, but a missionary disciple is the term so i want to just kind of lay out a few guidelines and um that I've discovered just from reading Pope Francis, um, who especially has tried to guide us towards um, a, a more authentic attitude of evangelization. So one thing he said last year was that real missions begins with strong union with Jesus in prayer, adoration and concrete acts of charity, which is service to Jesus and the least of our brethren. So I think the first thing to realize is that evangelization doesn't start with studying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so interesting because oftentimes I remember once listening to a, a, an apologetics show and someone asking about prayer, asking a question about prayer. And it struck me because the commentators were so, I think, struck by the question that they actually said, well, you should talk to a local priest or pastor about this. It was as though they felt completely incapable of answering um, a spiritual question. They were simply ready to answer these kind of dogmatic proof text type of um, of questions that really, when you look at the documents and the teaching of the church, have very little to do with evangelization but evangelization begins with prayer begins with adoration begins with the works of mercy and if you're not if you don't have that foundation then you really have very little to offer authentically to somebody in evangelization
0: yeah um i think that's fascinating though uh that word that I, I, when we were discussing this uh, the other day I don't think this is a word but I, it, it came to me um, pamphletization mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and I think that you know we can't be just people handing out pamphlets about various things um, we can't just be you know no one is attracted to a man holding a sign with a list of people who are going to hell. Um... I think that would... I mean, it's just, that's a very easy target for us to look at and be like, okay, that's not what what we want to do. Um... But we should also see that... You know... I, ooh, and then, I, as, I, as I go further from that, and it becomes kind of problematic to single out certain activity that is on its face proselytization, because there's, you know, you can be handing out a pamphlet, if as long as it's got true information, that that's fine. Um, I think what the church is calling us to, though, is this inner presentation mm-hmm. as well, you yeah. know, like... If we have to be so willing to share who Christ is within us with other people that really the the pamphlet becomes very secondary yeah
1: and I think it's important to point out for it's hard to wrap my mind or it was hard at first but you know proselytism is not something that uh, is not an action that you do mm-hmm. okay so it's it's not something that you just say well i don't you know i i evangelize i don't proselytize it's an attitude that one can fall into many times in a day just as lust just as laziness just as anger um it's something that is um can can become part of your life that you can receive forgiveness or you can receive the grace to avoid it. But it's something that um, I find very easily becomes part of our, um, our life as missionary disciples. You know, um, Pope Benedict in the um, God is Love, Deus Caritas Est, has some beautiful words on this. He says, Christ is the missionary of the Father. We are invited to turn our gaze to him for the church's mission exists only as a prolongation of Christ's mission. The church considers herself the disciple and missionary of Jesus' love. Missionary only insofar as she is a disciple capable of being attracted constantly and with renewed wonder by the God who has loved us and who loves us first. So the first point is that we're missionaries, we're evangelists of love, but only insofar as we're also disciples sitting at the feet of Jesus. If you're not sitting at the feet of Jesus, that's what you need to first focus on. You shouldn't be trying to pull the um, the, the, the speck out of someone else's eye to use this motto. And trying to get them to know Jesus if you don't know Jesus, if you're not knowing Jesus, if you're not sitting at his feet.
0: We appreciate you listening to today's podcast. Please tune in again next week and we look forward to seeing you. May God bless you.